The letter of James is very clear and straightforward. He gives us important and practical wisdom in living the Christian life. Today, we'll be looking at how to properly handle our anger. This message is the seventh in the series, Real Deal Faith. The message is entitled, Handling Anger Properly. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. So grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets, if you will, this morning as we turn our attention together to God's Word. As I said, we're involved in this series entitled Real Deal Faith, and I want to talk to us this weekend about handling anger the proper way. Now, as soon as I mention the topic, I'm sure that you say, well, this doesn't really apply to me, right? Well, maybe it's good for somebody else. So take good notes this morning, because maybe you can help somebody else today uh, as a part of the study. James is the study over the summer, the book of James, one of the wonderful books of the New Testament, 27 books in the New Testament. James is the first book that was written, that was recorded into the canon of scriptures, written by James, the half-brother of Jesus. And he uh, came to faith in Christ after the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus appeared... Jesus appeared to him, and James is, is a very straightforward teacher. James does not pull any punches. James goes right to the heart of the matter when he teaches us, and he does so in the topic that we're looking at today, the topic of dealing with anger. In James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, our text today, James writes these words. Why don't we read them together loud and loudly, all of our campuses, all together in concert. Here we go. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. I think there were about like three of you reading with me just then, okay? Why don't we try it again? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to read. Just tell them it's time to read. All right, here we go. And let's read aloud and loudly. Are you One more time. I, I can't hear you guys up in Frederick, so read really loud, okay? Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Here you find one quick and two slows. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. In these two verses, the Apostle James zeroes in on what I would say would be some of the wisest uh, input we will ever receive about relationships in our lives. He says, learn to be a good listener, be careful with what you say, and manage your emotions. Think about that for a moment. Just learn how to be a better listener, be very careful in what you say, and learn how to manage your emotions, especially the emotion of anger. Now, if you will apply just those three things in any relationship of your life, you'll discover that your relationships will immediately start to improve. When you learn how to listen to the people around you, and you learn how to control what you say and to be very effective in the words you speak and in the way that you speak them, and if you learn how to manage the emotion, especially the emotion of anger, you're going to go a long way in making your relationships a lot better. Now, uh, our focus last weekend was on the listening and the speaking. Our focus this weekend is on the anger part. Be slow to anger. Say that with me. Be slow to anger. Be very slow to deal with anger, handle anger the right way. Slow to allow anger to grab you in your life. Be slow to anger because man's anger never accomplishes God's righteous purposes. I would think you would agree with me that the world in which we live today is an angry world. And it's growing angrier throughout the years. 
And there are many people around us and perhaps even in our various venues this morning that you struggle with this thing called anger. Anger is a detrimental thing. It destroys you spiritually. It destroys you psychologically. It destroys you relationally. It can even destroy you physically. There have been a number of medical studies that have been done to prove the horrible effects, the negative effects of hostility and anger that's carried around inside of people. All kind of diseases happen as a result of that carnary heart disease and and different digestive tract diseases and various things of this nature that are connected with, have been proven to be connected with the thing called anger, not handling it the right way. Now, when I say not handling anger the right way, I need to define what I mean by that. And handling anger the wrong way is usually seen in two extremes. One is to blow up and let it come out of you and to dump on and destroy the people around you. And the other side of that is to hold it inside of you so that you implode internally. And either way, it is destructive. It is not the right way to handle anger. And James draws our attention to this very important phrase, be slow to anger. He says, let me teach you some things about how to handle it. So I'm going to share with you five things today that will help you to handle anger in a more effective or what I would call a biblical way. We want to be biblical Christians, people who have real deal faith. So how do you handle your anger God's way? First of all, you have to learn to admit it. You have to learn to admit it. It's sad to think how many people are totally out of touch with their emotions. You ask them what they're feeling, they say, I don't know. You can obviously see anger in them, and you ask them, are you angry? And they say, no, I'm not angry. But it's all over their face. It's coming out of them because they're not in touch with emotions. And the reality is, is that the first step toward change in any area of your life is being honest about your need to change. You will never address anything in your life until you say, I need to change this. It's when you come face to face, honestly, and say, I have an issue with this. I have a problem with this that needs to be addressed. And I want to start all of us in that place this, this, this morning, this weekend, that right now in your life to do an honest assessment and say, you know what, am I, am I an angry person? Do I carry anger around inside of me? And do I recognize anger when it shows up in my life? Because all of us have different ways of handling anger. We have different ways of, de- of demonstrating anger. For some of you, when you get angry, you, you withdraw. Others of you, you blow up. Some people resort to sarcasm and cynicism. Some people just resist and rebel. Some people go into the silent treatment mode. But all of us have different modus operandi when it comes to anger. You handle and deal with anger, and it shows up in your life in a variety of ways. But do you know when it's present? Because you cannot deal with it unless you recognize it. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, I want you to listen to these words. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He said, in your anger, would you circle those two words, your anger? Many times we're very concerned about other people's anger, but he says, in your anger, do not sin. So that is, be aware of, pay attention to your own anger. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Paul says you must be aware of your anger. Know when it's shown up in your life and make sure that you're actively doing something about it. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry or if or else you will allow the adversary of your soul, very specifically the devil, to have access to your life. Now think about that for a moment. Do you believe like I do that the Bible is true? 
If the Bible is true, then this part of this verse is true, that if you and I hold on to anger, we actually open up a part of our life. We, we allow the enemy to come in and to develop a stronghold in us. And we wonder why we have so many issues and problems in our own lives and our relationships is because we've actually given ground to Satan. I know that you would never think about consciously wanting to do that, but when you do not recognize anger in your life and admit it and deal with it, what will happen is you're giving a stronghold, you're giving place to the adversary inside of you, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. The second thing, after you've admitted it, you have to analyze it. Anger is really kind of a secondary emotion. It's more of a reaction or a response to other things. You don't sort of wake up one morning and just be angry. Or just go through a situation and, and just choose to be angry. Angry or anger is a reaction to things that happen. For example, anger is a reaction to an obstacle. Something gets in your way. And so because it's in your way for a goal that you're trying to accomplish, then in that moment, that obstacle stimulates a reaction in you. And that reaction is the emotion of anger. It might be in response to a disappointment. Something really disappoints you. And so uh, the disappointment triggers the emotion in you or how you think about the disappointment triggers an emotion in you. It might be uh, that you're in a situation that seems like you're, you're out of control. You can't, can't, can't control things you want to control. And so that environment creates in you a reaction called anger. But anger is a secondary emotion. There's usually a root associated with your anger. Think about it when you're driving uh, around the beltway and you're on the way to work or you're you're late for an appointment and you're doing really great everything's wonderful you're really really happy and things are going well until that person pulls in front of you and all of a sudden that person pulls in front of you and slows you down in your objective and slows you down and creates an obstacle for you and then you begin to think about that person in negative tones and negative terms and before long what's going on inside of you what are you feeling come on tell the truth Anger starts rising in you. Why? Not because all of a sudden you just suddenly chose to be angry, but there was an event that transpired, and the way you thought about that event, that guy's a real jerk. Or why did he pull in front of me? Or whatever words you might have in your mind about that person or thoughts about them. Now there's an emotion that transpires in you. And so you can't deal with the emotion of anger until you deal with the root issues that are causing it. How are you handling the situations that happen in your life? How do you handle obstacles when they come your way? How do you handle disappointments when they happen to you? How do you handle losses when they come your way? And so when you're angry, you stop and say, wait a minute, let me go back. What's causing this in my life? What is the root of this? Why am I reacting in an angry way? What has stimulated this inside of me? Because you, you're better off dealing with roots than ever dealing with fruits. Because if you will deal with a root, you'll always take care of the fruit. But if you don't deal with the root and try to simply chop off the fruit of anger, it will come back again and again and again. And so to say, I've got to identify what's really going on inside of me. I've got to go for the root. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter, what's the next word there? Root, circle that word in your notes. The Bible understands there are roots of things in us and points this out to us that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, when something gets in you, 
of bitterness, an attitude toward a person, an attitude toward a situation, a judgment that you have inside of you about someone or something. When that, that thought process gets in you, it gets rooted there, and then now that root is producing the fruit of anger and resentment and contempt and cynicism and all kind of things that will come out of you. But the issue is not the fruit. Yes, that's an issue, but the bigger issue is the root. Don't let a bitter root grow up inside. You know how many people are walking around in our world today with a root of bitterness inside of them? And it just, it's coming out in time and time again in so many different ways. So how do you deal with anger biblically? Number one, you admit it, right? You acknowledge, you know what, I've got an issue. I've got a problem. And recognize it when it comes and admit that it's there. I'm feeling angry right now. And then what do you do? You analyze it. Where's this coming from? Why, why am I feeling this? What am I allowed to happen in my thinking that's affected me? And then number three, you have to address it. It's not enough to analyze your anger. You have to at some point in time also address it. I know people that have been uh, going to see a counselor for like 50 years and they're still the same. You know why? Because you can go and analyze yourself to death. It's called the paralysis of analysis. And there's some people that are so caught up in the analysis of their life, they're paralyzed by the paralysis of analysis. They've never really addressed it. They've never really done anything to fix it. They know what their problem is, but they really don't want to go after it and address it. You know, there are a lot of people that want to stay sick. Say, Pastor, you got to be kidding. No, there are a lot of people that don't really want to change. They want to talk about their issues, but they don't ever want to change. And so the Bible never brings you around just to an awareness of what you're going through. The Bible brings you to a place of repentance. And repentance is a word that means to change your mind, to change your thinking about something, to address something in your life. And so you admit, yeah, you know what? This is an issue for me. And wow, yeah, I start, I'm starting to see some of the root issues that are here for me that are contributing to this. And then now, I've got to do something about it. I have to address this stuff in my life. Go back with me to Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. In your anger. Whose anger? Your anger. Do not sin. You can't, you can't, hand, you can't fix anybody else's anger. You've got to deal with your own. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down. Notice the instruction. Here's the addressing part. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Notice the instruction. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. What does this mean? Is the literal like I've got to stay up all night? To get this thing fixed, some of you would never get any sleep ever, okay? What does it mean? Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Well, I do believe it, it may very well mean that you stay up all night if you have to to fix a problem in your life. But it's more than that. It's saying be urgent about it. Realize that when anger shows up in your life, it's not a good thing. If you hold on to it, you're going to open up this door and you're going to let the enemy in. And so you've got to be proactive in dealing with it. Once you realize, I see it. Yeah, I, I admit it. And yeah, I see some of the roots that are causing it. Now I'm going to go after this thing with urgency, with proactivity. I'm not going to let it remain in my life because I realize how serious it really is. Let me share with you five ways to address it. These are on your notes. Why don't you read them together with me? Number one, accept responsibility for it. Here's the problem, that when we feel angry, we have a tendency to want to blame other people for our anger, don't we? Well, it's their fault. If they had not done this, I would not feel angry. If that stupid guy had not pulled in front of me, I would not feel angry right now. So it's his fault. 
And so we tend to blame and push out the responsibility and deflect the responsibility onto other people. And, and the, the problem there is that you can't fix anybody else, right? Even if they do ridiculous things to you, you can't fix them. I've learned over the years and continue to learn, I cannot fix anybody. I have a hard enough time fixing myself. Only God can fix me. And so when I spend my energy pushing responsibility onto others instead of accepting it, I'm not doing anything good for myself. And so what I must do is say, if I'm feeling angry, I can't do anything about what that person did to me, but I can do something about how I'm going to choose to respond to the situation. I can do something about what my reaction, my response is going to be. And I'm not going to let what they do drag me into an atmosphere, an environment where my soul is is sullied by or soiled by a spirit of anger or resentment. I'm just not going to let that happen. And so you accept responsibility for it. Number two, read with me. You expose your angry thoughts and feelings to what? To truth. What I mean by that is this. Often your anger is based on actually on perceptions that are not even real. You ever gotten mad at someone because you thought they were thinking something about you only to later find out they weren't even thinking about you? And you had all this stuff going on inside of you because you were sure that they were mad at you or sure that they were upset with you or sure that they had some judgment of you. And you found out later they, they had no thought about you at all. But you had all this stuff going on because you, you were forming. See, we love to be mind readers, don't we? We like to read what's in the minds of other people. The problem is you're not good at it. Okay? The problem is you're totally unskilled at this thing. Okay? Only God can read minds, okay? And so when you start trying to read somebody else's mind and read somebody else's motives and, and read uh, through things, it, what happens is you will inevitably fall prey to false ideas and things that will stir you up unnecessarily on the inside. For example, let's go back to the, to the guy on the highway pulling in front of you, okay? What you will have a tendency to think is to think, boy, this guy is inconsiderate. This guy is not paying attention to what he's doing. This guy, whatever it might be, all the negative things that you may feel. But if you knew that this guy had just heard that his son was in the hospital dying from an accident, and you, would that change how you felt toward the fellow? It would totally change how you reacted. Why? Because now suddenly you've changed your mindset. What I would venture to say is you don't know what's going on in any person's life. And so when you begin to project onto them things that you think are true and that creates reaction in you, it's not fair to them and it's destructive to you. And so the best thing to do when you find yourself in these kind of environments is to do what Jesus said to do, to bless and not curse, to be a blesser. To think the best, and we'll read it in a moment, to think the best that we can, to get our mind in the right perspective. So expose your angry thoughts and feelings to truth. Number three, read with me. Choose to forgive from the heart, from the heart, not just from the head, but from the heart. Let go of the grudges that you have. All they're doing is they're just grinding away at you. A grudge in you will grind you to powder. It grinds your personality to nothing. And so many people have been ground down to practically no impact or power or influence with their life because a grudge, they, because they've held on to a grudge 
over the years and it's eaten away at their personality. It's like having a termite or termites in your life and that grudge just eats away at the foundation of your life and, and it crumbles away your relationship. So let go from the heart. Matthew 18, 35. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister. Where? From the heart, not just from the head, but from the heart. And, and circle the first word there, choose. Choose to forgive. Forgiveness is not a feeling. You, may, you will eventually feel forgiveness towards someone, but it starts with a choice that you make. I choose to forgive. I've told you this before, and I'm very sincere about it, and I don't mean this as a joke in any way because it's, it's really true. I've never felt like forgiving anyone because when someone hurts you in some way, you don't feel like forgiving them. You feel like hurting them, don't you? They hurt me, so I'm going to hurt them back. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's the natural inclination. But you choose to say, I'm going to forgive because God has forgiven me. God has been gracious to me when I did not deserve his mercy and forgiveness. And because God has been merciful to me, I'm going to choose to be merciful to you. I'm going to extend to you the same forgiveness that God has extended to me. And then adjust your thinking. Change the way you think about your obstacles, your hurts, your disappointments, your losses, your injustices, the lack of control in earth. Change the way you think. You know, you can, you can change your thoughts. But you'll never change them unless you grab hold of them, unless you have a pattern to go after. And Paul gives us this pattern, Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, don't believe a lie, okay? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, read the rest with me, think about such things. Get your mind going in the direction of these eight things that he describes here. And the fifth way to address anger in your life is to just simply do good. Turn your energy toward productive attitudes and productive actions. When you get angry, there's energy that's associated with it. Everybody gets angry. There's a, there's a surge of adrenaline. There's a surge of energy that comes with anger. And that, sur that surge can create a lot of destruction or you can turn it for good. You can use the energy for good. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil. How? With good. So do good that is blessed. Do good. Don't curse. Uh, pray for those that hurt you. The fourth thing to do that will help you to address anger in your life and deal with it properly, and this is important, stay away from people and things that trigger it. I don't have a lot of time to talk about this one, but I, I am going to just touch on it briefly. As much as possible, as much as possible, don't let someone else's garbage become your garbage. Don't get around people who are spewing garbage all the time. I'll say it another way. Watch out who you hang around with because some people are toxic people. And the toxicity of their life, if, it's, if you're not careful, will spill over onto you. And it's especially true when it comes to anger. If you're hanging around an angry person and being influenced consistently by an angry person, what are you going to, what, what are you going to learn and what's going to be on you all the time? And so if anger is coming at you, what will you have the tendency to do? Help me out here. What? Send anger back, right? Okay. And that's not 
the right choice, but I'm saying that's a choice that, 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 that becomes easier when you're in an angry environment. Now, some of the environments that we're in, we have no control over. I mean, you cannot control where you work many times, and sometimes there are people around you at work that are angry people, and you just have to learn how to deal with it, or you have to learn, very important, listen closely, I wish I had more time to talk about this, you have to learn to establish boundaries in your life. A boundary is a very important thing. You've got to know where you end and somebody else ends and begins. You've got to set some boundaries so that people are not able to get into your world and mess your life up. Just because their life is messed up doesn't mean that they have the right to mess yours up, right? Amen? And so a lot of times as Christians, we, we get this mindset that we just have to kind of let everybody into our world. And, and we do need to be loving and kind. And I'll talk about that more in just a moment and, and care for people and try to help people as much as we can. But I will tell you, there's some people that just do not want to be helped. There's some people that are going to be toxic their whole life. And you've got to make the decision. So I, I just can't let that affect me. I'm going to draw a boundary. And drawing a boundary doesn't mean that you become mean or, 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 or unloving towards someone. It just means that you put some space between you and that other person. If it's not physical space, it's some emotional space that you put between you and another person. See, Jesus said if someone slaps you on one cheek, what do you do? You turn the other cheek. But what Jesus did not say is Jesus did not say, and then let him keep slapping you. He never said that, did he? See, he expected us to be wise enough to realize if somebody slaps you on one cheek, give them a break. Forgive them. If they slap you on the other cheek, realize, you know what? I've I got to back away from this situation. It doesn't mean that you now get to punch them, okay? It means that you get to back away and create an environment where there's a boundary of security and safety. Because I will tell you, if you're not careful, people will dump all kinds of things on you. They will absolutely take their stuff because misery loves company, right? Misery loves company. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 from the message paraphrase. Why don't we read this together aloud and loudly? You did pretty good a while ago the second time around, so I've got confidence and faith in you this time. Here we go. Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hot heads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. Do you see that bad temper is contagious, don't get infected. The last thing I'll mention here that will help you in this area of your life is to become what I would call a serial forgiver. We have serial liars and serial murderers, but I want to encourage you to become a serial forgiver. What, what does that mean? Is that you take preventative action by the attitudes in your life. Develop an attitude that says, you know what, I'm going to have a Teflon personality. A Teflon personality says, when stuff comes my way that's bad, it's just not going to stick to me. I'm not going to let, let those things that those people say about me stick to me and create anger in me. I'm not going to let these environments where I would have the tendency to get angry. I'm going to make a choice ahead of time that I'm going to live in an attitude of forgiveness because I don't want to give Satan any access in my life. I am choosing to be a serial forgiver. I want a loving, offenseless heart. Amen? The better way to handle anger 
It's just not to have to handle it in the first place because you've developed attitudes that protect you from it arising in a negative way in your life. Now, we do this, again, by clothing ourselves with certain attitudes. If you put on the right attitudes, the right thought processes in your life, you can minimize the amount of anger that you will even have to deal with. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, by the way, that's you and me, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves, read them with me, the, 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 the characteristics, with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Paul says, you need to put these things on in your life. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So you get up in the morning, and when you get up in the morning, you get dressed, but before you go out the door, you say, you know what? I better put on my coat of compassion and my coat of kindness and my coat of humility and my coat of gentleness and patience because I'm going to need these clothes today. And so before I even go into my day, I have prepared myself by putting on these garments. I've put on these clothes. I've adjusted myself to say today, by the grace and power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, I will choose today to be compassionate. I will choose today to be kind. I will choose today to be humble. I will choose today to be gentle. I will choose today to be patient. Before I even start the day and know who I'm going to encounter or what's going to be before me, I I put my clothes on, I, go, I gird up myself for what I will encounter today with the right attitudes. Then he goes on to say, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And so here again, you got, you're heading out the door. You say, you know what? I got to put on my garments of compassion and my garments of humility and gentleness and patience and kindness. But also I'm going to get my, my top coat on the way out of the door and I'm going to take on now the garment of love as my top coat that will bind all these other things together because if I have love, is my coat right? Okay. If I have love in my life, then I'm going to be compassionate, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to be gentle, I'm going to be humble, I'm going to be forgiving. And so you gird up yourself before you even encounter something with the garments that will help you handle it the right way. See, God did not design you just to be a reactor. He designed you to be a responder because you've already decided how you're going to respond before things show up in your life. You follow me here? Take a look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1, 4 through 8. Love is. What does love look like? You put on the top coat of love. Well, what does it look like? Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor. Or it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Boy, that's something right there. Some of you have some records of wrongs that go back like 50 years, okay? You like have the archives, the national archives of wrongs, okay? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Psalm 119, 165. Great peace. Think about that. Wouldn't you love to have great peace in your life? Wouldn't you love to have great peace in your life? Wouldn't you love just to live every day just extremely peaceful? Great peace have they 
which love thy law, and nothing shall, what? Offend them. You've got so much peace going on inside of you that you don't let anything else ever disturb your peace. Boy, I tell you, that's the way that I want to live. Am I there yet? No. But by God's grace, I'm going there. How about you? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning. We're so grateful for the opportunity we've had to study together. We pray today in Jesus' name that you would allow us, by the help and power of the Holy Spirit, to learn how to address anger in our lives. I pray for those today that simply need to admit that this is an issue for them. And I pray you'll help them to get to the root of issues, all of us to get to the root of our issues, Lord. Give us the wisdom and grace to analyze it. Help us to know how to form the right boundaries in our life. And Lord God, we pray that you'll help us to develop the right attitudes that will protect us from anger that is destructive to us and to others. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.